0: Welcome
1: to to where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livius Nedden. This week we're reviewing, and nobody knows this, right? Because we, we were unable to, to, <laughs> to make this decision last <laughs> week on the podcast. Here's the big, the big reveal. Drumroll, please. Uh, Canary by Dwayne Swierzynski. Dwayne is the author of several crime thrillers, including the Seamus Award-winning Charlie Hardy series, which is currently being developed for Sony Pictures Television. He currently writes the monthly comic series Judge Dread for IDW, X for Dark Horse, and has written various best-selling comic series for Marvel and DC. Dwayne has also collaborated with CSI creator Anthony Zuiker on the best-selling Level 26 series. He lives in Philadelphia with his wife and children.
0: Philadelphia, man. Have I never been there. Sounds prime uh, from the yeah, book. Yeah, I
1: have never been there either and the chances of me going there are slim and zero. They got the Liberty Bell there. Yeah, but it's got a big crack in it.
0: Yeah, fix that I'm crack. Gonna wait.
1: I'm going to wait until they get a new Liberty Bell, and then I'm going to go see it. The 2016 Liberty Bell. So um, I have some previous exposure to um, who we're we'll referring to as Dwayne, because I'm not going to try to butcher his name for <laughs> an hour. Um, so I read the the first book in the Level 26 series, which is super cool, because it is the first book that I had exposure to that there is content that exists outside the book in the form of videos so you'd be reading along Mm. and there's like an interrogation scene with a suspect and uh, you could go watch the interrogation online at a website or there would be uh I don't know how to best explain this anybody who's seen CSI actually watched one episode of CSI my whole my whole life because they actually um introduced the character from those books onto CSI and he is um How do I say this? Remember, first season American Horror Story, the guy with the leather mask and the skin type bodysuit. Yes, so that's the type of character. um, Long before that, American Horror Story was around. That appears in Level Twenty Six. He's a serial killer that slinks around. So there would be like surveillance video where you would see this guy. It was really creepy because it was done to be fairly, you know, realistic. So cool stuff from him.
0: Hey, that that really trumps my. I read his story, Easy Meat, from the. Nor at the Bar Two anthology. Don't, uh, don't
1: let me get in the severance package. I read that too. God, damn brilliant, <laughs> fun book.
0: Man, I suck. If yeah. anybody, anybody who has uh, been listening to the podcast will realize that Livius is far more well-read and funnier. Wait, what am I doing here? Oh, I know how to edit the uh, audio. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. I'm still here. Somebody has to do. Somebody has to do the real work on this podcast. Right. And it's not going to be me. <laughs> um, okay, as long as I have a purpose and a, a use. And I'm going to start being useful now by telling you what this book is about. Canary. Good name, by the way. Yeah, I like that. It's dangerous enough when an ordinary college girl turns confidential informant. Even more dangerous when she's smarter than the killer, kingpins, and cops who control her. Honor student, Siri Holland, is busted by the local police while doing a favor for her boyfriend. Unwilling to betray him but desperate to avoid destroying her future, Sari has no choice but to become a CI. A confidential informant. That's a weird part of the synopsis that they actually... uh, Anyway. Philly narcotics cop Ben Wilde is hungry for a career-making bust. The detective thinks he's found the key in Sari. Her boyfriend scores from a mid-level dealer with alleged ties to major drug gangs. Sari turns out to be the perfect CI. A quick study with shockingly keen understanding of the criminal mind. But Wildy, desperate desperate for results, pushes too hard and inadvertently sends the 19-year-old into a death trap, leaving Sarie hunted by crooked cops and killers alike with nothing to save her except what she's learned during her harrowing weeks as an informant. Which is bad news for the police and the underworld because when it comes to payback, CI number 1373 turns out to be a very quick study.
1: A couple of things. I'm pretty sure she was just CI-137, so I don't know where that came from. That's straight from the synopsis. Yeah, <laughs> but pretty sure she was 137. I think you're right. Second of all, hey, you've known someone named Sari, right? Have I? Well, I'm just going to guess, because I told would have gone with Sari oh. instead of Sari, and you just said it with such confidence, I was like, oh yeah, that's 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 got to be right.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably Sari, because her actual name is Seraphine. Yep. So
1: that's why I was, I, the first time you said it, I was like, oh, hmm,
0: interesting. Wait, how did I say it? Sari? Like, that's
1: because I would say Marie, like M-A-R-I-E. Yeah, Sari, yes. yeah. I don't know. This chick, 137.3, apparently. I don't know what's <laughs> happening right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, the synopsis is wrong in multiple places because, uh, and I'm sure for the sake of brevity and, not, uh, and disambiguation, disambiguation uh they say her boyfriend but it's not her boyfriend it's just a person she knows
1: d d drew drew um so yeah we start this book off um this girl sari sari Sarah um is that a party um, she's got to pick up her dad in the morning, and she's trying really hard to just kind of belong. She's not a partier. She doesn't feel like she really fits in with a lot of her classmates. So, you know, she talks about how she's learned to nurse one beer for like four hours to fit in. And at one point, somebody's passing around a a bong, and, you know, or was it a bong? Whatever. Some type of yeah. marijuana delivery device. <laughs> she, um you know, she, like, takes a hit but just kind of holds it in her mouth and blows it out pretty quickly. So she's trying really hard to fit in. Um, and this this boy, this, this other college student that she had a class with who's who's attractive and, and dashing and whatever, kind of takes an interest in her and eventually asks her for a ride to go pick up a book. I'm doing air quotes. A book from, uh, from the other side of town that he desperately needs at, like, you know, one in the morning <laughs> while he's at this party. And he
0: offers to pay her in cheesesteak because this takes place in Philly.
1: That's a fair way to pay someone for a ride, I think.
0: Damn right. Cheesesteak comes in handy later, too. Uh, What do you think the chances are she's actually helping him pick up a book?
1: Seems unlikely because then it would be a Nicholas Sparks story (laughs) and not not a a crime novel. Uh, So... uh,
0: Like, he gives her some oddly specific instructions. She's got to go to this building, and then um, when she goes to the valet, she has to tell him that uh, uh, her passenger is a friend of Chucky, I think, or Chucky Morphine. Uh, No, it's Chucky. I think she just is friend of Chucky or Chuck or whatever. And then the valet uh, very respectfully just lets her kind of idle in the valet zone for, like, way longer than anyone would ever normally, which is suspicious, of course. Yeah. while she waits for for homeboy to come out, and he said it would take two seconds, and you know, obviously it takes longer than that. Um, and then the perspective shifts. And the way the book is kind of set up is, uh, we have different perspectives. Most of it's third person because there's a lot of characters in this book, but everything from um, most most of Siri's, uh perspective is first person, uh, like she's writing a journal or like uh, like letters almost to her mother, explaining what's going on in her life. Um, but the rest of it is kind of third person. And our perspective shifts to Officer Wildey, who uh, is, is staking out this house because he's on the uh, the police uh, book crime unit, and he wants to make sure no one gets any illicit books out of that house.
1: That's exactly. He is, uh, he is part of a special task force that was put together by um, Natasha from the um, Rocky and Bullwinkle series. <laughs> <laughs> um a part of a special task force that that just drugs things just bringing down like major drug players and yeah. you know he kind of came his way up through the ranks he was a bicycle cop in in a in a very difficult area drug area in philadelphia where they cleaned up a park and uh, was selected to <laughs> one be park one park but man he holds that park dear like like he's like everything else around this park like there's a guy shooting heroin across the street there's nobody in this park so. yeah kids this park belongs to kids right. So he's taking it out and winds up following them because they look, you know, they, he knows that the place they're going into is kind of a drug den. And he follows them and Sari winds up dropping D off. At any rate, I guess what happens is Sari gets pulled over. Now, she has, you know, some suspicion at this point that that uh, D may have been picking up some drugs, but she gets pulled over and is literally left, uh, you know, holding the bag.
0: Uh, I was wondering if you were going to use that uh, that that phrase. Um, and so now you basically figure out that like uh, her buddy was picking up drugs from a drug guy, and the cop was already onto them. And it bears kind of explaining uh, the history of, of Philadelphia crime that that uh, takes place in this book. Um, about a decade ago was when there was uh, two warring um, like mob families that were in control of all the drug trade and everything, and then through a series of different events, they both kind of fell out of you know power and everything, and there's been more or less a vacuum uh, of power, and then there was... It's actually interesting, and we'll talk about some of the different ways people sell drugs in this kind of modern time, but uh, there's, there's one dealer named Chucky Morphine who's kind of got a, pre- a pretty good hold of drug trade, at least in the area. The Southeast, was it, I believe? There's some other minor dealers here and there and there's a new kind of criminal element that's kind of moving in to try and take over control. And it's an unknown element that people aren't really sure who they are or you know where they're coming from or anything like that. Um, so, apologies for the giant motorcycle that just drove past my apartment. So when Siri gets caught up in this situation, Chucky Morphine's kind of got a big thing going on but then there's these other guys that are up and coming who are trying to knock him out and kind of seize control of the drug trade and philadelphia and these this narcotics unit that uh, uh wildy is a part of is brand new and is supposed to be the solution to police corruption because there was a lot of police corruption and like you know that whole thing got th- messed up in the past years so it's all kind of a new world of of who's selling drugs and who's trying to capture them and she gets kind of swirled up right in the middle of it all
1: can I just say I'm very impressed with how you managed to present all of that, because my whole thought on that was, like, there's a lot of people selling drugs. <laughs> uh, there's interesting things,
0: too, like um, that fucking doctor. We'll get to that, I'm sure, eventually, but, like, the doctor? <laughs> yeah. uh, like, there's... There, like So, like, instead of just being the traditional, like, drugs come up from a cartel from Mexico and then they get sent to, you know, corner dealers who you know, distribute it, there's doctors who sell drugs, there's... Um, this dude who buys them just from like a internet like a deep like is it the dark web yeah the the deep the dark web yeah i guess dark web is what it's called and um gets drugs like fedex to him and then he sells them and and so there's all different manner of ways to to get drugs now depending on how you're resourceful and um it was an interesting look at it's not just as cut and dry as it used to be where like you know Cartels give you drugs to dealers who sell them on the street. It's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, we learned a lot of this through um, Sari's eyes as she. Um, so I guess we should back up a little bit. So Willy decides that, you know, he what he needs is for her to turn on her boyfriend, as the synopsis called him, guy she just met. So that he can bust Chucky Morphine, who is the target of his current um, kind of stakeout operation. But Sari refuses to. She flat out refuses to turn on this guy, which quite honestly, I'd have just turned on him and again it wouldn't have been a it wouldn't have been a book at all. I'd have been like, yeah, that motherfucker, the guy I met four hours ago. <laughs> so if you're a drug dealer ever driving around with me, know that I will finger you in a heartbeat. Mug, you know? Whoa. <laughs> so yeah, all right. uh, Oh turn on oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh Rob, the places your mind goes. I'm just saying. Um so don't put anything past you. So so basically he's he he turns her and she agrees to to find him a drug dealer, you know, which is what he says, but what he doesn't understand is that Sari is resourceful and will try to will do anything she can to protect this loser that she met at, at this party. So then we kind of return to our home life and find out um, you know, what what's going on with her mom died a year ago and the the journals that Rob mentioned that she's writing are kind of written to her dead mother. As a way for her to kind of clear her thoughts and, and you know, and, and, and obviously for us to read her story. She lives with her dad, who's a, a kind of, he's a drug counselor. Who yeah. um, is a reformed, you know, kind of, I don't know, addict slash drunk himself. I don't know but he's a reformed drunk. He's, he's been drinking again considerably since his wife died. and uh, and, and her little brother, Marty. And these kids in this family are pretty sharp, because Marty is the one who's uh, <laughs> who catches on to a lot of things, too, in, in, in as regards to what's going on with his older sister.
0: Yeah, when I was 12 years old, I was like playing with Legos, probably.
1: Pretty much, yeah. So
0: Not like putting tracking devices in cars.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I actually wonder if that's a thing. So I wound up looking up that game that he plays, that Dig It or whatever. That does not appear to be a real thing.
0: Um, I th- I'm looking at it like, uh, what is it, Minecraft? No. I'm
1: assuming that, yeah, it's probably.
0: Is that the one where you build all the shit on, with, like, yep. big 8-bit blocks or whatever? Yep. All right. I'm looking at it like that.
1: But, yeah, so, I, I mean, kind of from there, it's, it's um journey into learning about what being a CI is about and learning about the drug trade so that she can... You know, bring a drug dealer to Wildy and and get out of, you know, being a CI. Get out of this this dark cloud that's hanging over her head. But she's given a very short time frame to do this in. So this story all takes place the day before Thanksgiving. Yep. And it's pretty much all wrapped up by Christmas. Although her original deadline is like, you know, 72 hours or whatever. This does stretch on a little bit. But this whole book takes place over the course of, of a month.
0: Yeah. I guess we can do introduce the other op- elements in kind of broad strokes. Mhm. Yep. Like all right. Another interesting part of this is some of the other characters, the criminal elements, uh one of them I thought we were introduced in a very interesting way is there's this kind of group of killers who um they you know which uh which consists of some ex-mob people, some just random like hired gun kind of people, and I believe an ex-police officer. And um, we know that they're going around killing uh, informants, but they don't know why, and they don't know how, we don't know how they have the information. They're just kind of this like kind of chilling group of criminals who just scoops people up and murders them and drops them in this um, creepy uh, like part of Philadelphia by like the, the river or whatever. And um, it's introduced in a very mysterious way. And essentially the idea is like, you know, we don't know. Nobody knows what they're doing or why um, until later in the book. Uh, So just all we know is that there's this like group of people going around like abducting and killing informants and torturing them and stuff like that. So that was kind of neat. That's one of the parts of of the criminal uh, landscape of Philadelphia in the book.
1: Yeah, Rob mentioned earlier the the doctor that's selling drugs. I I don't want to go too far into into talking about him, but basically the the deal is, you know, you go there, you get an exam, a a, a girly exam. He's one of those OBGYNs. Yep, and he he writes you a prescription for for pain meds that you can then turn around and use or or sell, um, which is interesting because the guy himself is just kind of an interesting character like you would think this would be all like sex for, for, for drugs or whatever and it's not he's just kind of like this creepy old man that <laughs> just like wants to look at your junk
0: Who whose touch lingers a little too long but uh, he doesn't like rape you or anything but do we reveal the other part or no?
1: I don't know I, I, I mean it's not really <laughs> integral I guess to the story but it's I think interesting.
0: for the sake of this, we're going to do the reveal for this one. Like, so, uh, we won't go too much detail though, but she tries to bring that, that place down as like a, a, a drug dealer that she can bring to Wildy in order to get off the hook. And, um, she gets the drugs. She goes, gets the prescription filled, goes to Wildy, shows him. And he's like, well, we have to do some more investigation. So Wildy goes in and, uh, is immediately kind of figured out as a cop, and I think her name's Letita, right, the, or something like that. Letitia, maybe. Letitia. Yeah. The uh, the receptionist, receptionist. woman mm-hmm. sees him, knows he's a cop, and she's like, "Well, this is it." And she just pulls out a gun and shoots at him. <laughs> that's yeah. Fun. And uh, and then he pursues her, and in the case, in the in the course of pursuing her, discovers just like this house of horrors, which we won't go into because that's part of the fun, but um yeah she really kind of uncovered this big thing that
1: nobody was expecting and that was pretty cool i will say that that more than any other part of the story felt like the bigger story you know what i mean that there's a much much bigger story almost like like it's a crossover from a different book yeah i felt that too yeah which was uh which was pretty cool so yeah that's i mean that's really all there is there's a a, a ton of characters that get introduced um there's kind of a mystery player that gets brought into the book. Maybe about two-thirds of the way in as, yeah. uh, as kind of a resource for Siri, And uh, that's pretty cool. Party man. Yeah. And she just... It's, it's a month in the life of, of somebody who has no business being involved in the drug or crime world. Being kind of thrust into it in order to save save her own hide. Yeah. And, and the nice thing is
0: just like she's pretty much consistently given these challenges that she, you know, any normal person would not be equipped to handle. But at every turn, she ends up become like she ends up surprising people because she's more capable than anybody expected her to be. So like every time some shit happens, she finds a way to you know, work through it. And that was that was one of the cool aspects of her character.
1: And I think there's a little bit to be said there for her um I don't know, for her aptitude for learning that she approached yes. it a little differently you, know, you or I might be put in this situation and we'd kind of be freaked out, what are we going to do or whatever and she's like, I'm going to google some shit and like figure out. I'm gonna ask some people, you know, and try to, you know, get some advice and, and really immerse herself in, in the in the world that she's getting involved in, which um that was pretty cool. The relationship between her and Wildy is, is is pretty good. I mean, other than the part where he's kind of, you know, pushing her, you know, really hard. Like just their interactions are, are really good and how constantly like I don't know, surprised he is by her. Yeah. So I, I don't know, all in all it was uh she's a, she's an interesting character.
0: Yeah. Are there any quotes?
1: I may have some quotes. Uh
0: one of the quotes I have is about a character named Ringo who's one of the group of murderers killing people, <laughs> the Beatles. And he's also one of the Beatles. Uh Ringo is one of the guys who used to work with mob boss or the mob families back in the day and like went into witness protection, but now he's back in town. Um and he's just an interesting guy. I th- I see him as um uh He's like the criminal who's... He's so criminal that he's got his own kind of, like, code of what's right and wrong, almost. Yeah. Um, so, like, you you don't know why he likes or dislikes people. Like, anyway. Um, he doesn't like DJs. And the reason... Actually, <laughs> it's funny that they go into so much detail about why he doesn't like DJs, but... uh. He was just like a basic rant about uh, a DJ who was a, a, an informant that he had to kill. Um, and then it goes into the back story of his father was a musician and was out of work because DJs kind of took over for weddings and stuff like that. So he had this kind of like personal vendetta almost against um, um, DJs, which is hilarious. A uh, quick quote uh, around that is, if you were to give Ringo a job killing DJs, he'd be happy for the rest of his
1: life yeah i Ringo was a uh, was a good character too. I, I think my favorite Ringo portion is how um they, one of the the killers that rob mentioned the the people who are scooping up the informants is is, is named Frankenstein Well, he's not named. he's nicknamed Frankenstein, yeah, but he doesn't like being called Frankenstein, so there's this whole interaction between <laughs> Ringo and Frankenstein where Ringo continues to call him Frankenstein and explains how like once someone tells him not to call someone by a name, it's all he can think about <laughs> so
0: which is pretty much exactly how I am Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I just don't All right. kill people. All
1: right, All right Ringo. <clears throat> this is like what I thought was, was worded um, interestingly or kind of an interesting thought. The guy looks like a mainline hipster. Preppy clothes, immaculate blue sweater, pulled over a crisp button-down shirt, wrinkled old khakis, sloppy pile of hair, neatly trimmed beard, glasses, a warm smile, and a jittery demeanor. He's like a bed that's half-made.
0: Um, this is another Ringo quote. Apparently, I really like Ringo. They go to this kind of party that's got uh, what might be considered escorts. They're girls who you pay for companionship, but not sex. And um, Frankenstein is actually warning him against, you know, just treating them like hookers. And uh, the the reflective thing that Ringo thinks to himself is, like Ringo was going to show up with a roll of hundreds in one pants pocket and a bottle of Viagra in the other, he just wanted to have a drink or three and appreciate the view before he and Frankenstein headed out uh, later tonight for another grab, torture, kill gig in the rat receiving station and a dip into the lobster trap. Rat receiving station was what they called the place where they killed their informants. Because historically, well, what
1: I thought lobster trap was what they called the uh, the, the escorts. <laughs> 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 oh shit! Uh,
0: I don't know what to say to that. What do you got?
1: (laughs) This is, um, Sari is in a, uh, in a really crappy neighborhood in Philadelphia and she's approaching this house and she says, it's the nicest one on the block, but that's not saying much like the one good tooth and a meth addict smile.
0: Ooh, I remember that. I remember that being good and I can't believe I didn't highlight that.
1: Yeah, that was good stuff.
0: Um, in one scene, Sari's going to meet her friend Tammy's boyfriend, who is our boyfriend, um, person that's in her life. She's Tammy's one of the escort people, and that's how she makes a, a pretty good living. Um, this is Sari thinking to herself, so that's what I'll do. I'll say hello to her creepy older boyfriend slash perv slash 50 shades of no fucking way guy, and then split.
1: He's <laughs> good saw a thing on tv not that long ago about that and i forget what they're called but it's basically basically the equivalent of having a sugar daddy like yeah you know you just have this this young lady that um you hang out with and stuff and you buy her stuff and pay her rent seems it's like a terrible proposition but you know, it is what it is
0: <laughs> from the you're looking from the perspective of the sugar daddy right yes yes okay, exactly. i thought so <laughs>
1: well and I'm, I'm i'm bitter because you know there's no such opportunity for you and i so. i know yeah, I know. It, I was thinking only about that. It exists for women. Yep. Yeah. What can you do? Um, this was—I don't even know if I can credit this to 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 Dwayne, but um, I really like this. Uh, so on and on it went. The PD more or less fine with the casual deterrent of arrests. The city doing nothing about the endless abandoned houses that served as shooting galleries. And then it says in parentheses, "abandonminiums." They called them. I like that. Ooh, abandonminiums. I like that. Yeah, I don't know if that's if that's an actual, if I can credit that to the author or if that's actually a technical term for banded houses where people shoot heroin. Yeah. Um,
0: my final quote is going to be, uh, this was actually repeated uh, in two different places in the book, and I think it could be, if you wanted to give a cute kind of flash preview of what the book is like, this was uh this this could do it very well. So tonight on my to-do list, 1 get Chucky talking business, 2 buy Oxys, 3 buy a gun, 4 prepare for my 8:30 philosophy final.
1: Yeah, that poor kid. You know, she <laughs> just, was in the shit big time, man. Yeah, and um you know, there's that whole like, you know, she doesn't want to let down her dad. The mom died. She she kind of looks after her brother and and just a lot of uh, a, a lot of big deal family stuff. Now, she just wasn't able to completely immerse herself in the in the crime aspect of the book, um, which typically is the case. So whenever you read a crime book and someone's in some kind of trouble, it, it's non-stop all they do and all they can do is is fight the, the situation that they're in. So one of the nice things about this book is that she still had to kind of make, like she had to lie to her dad every time she went somewhere. <laughs> you yeah. know, She was lying to her little brother and still had to figure out a way to, like, make it to class by 8 a.m., that kind of thing. So it was kind of nice to see that, um, from our standpoint as readers, that here's somebody who wasn't able to abandon every responsibility they have just to be involved in this book.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, I was thinking, like, she... I mean, of course it makes for a good story, but, like, she has to go deeper in order to get out. Like, there's no way for her to kind of gracefully get out of this situation. She has to just like get her hands dirtier and dirtier in order to like clean them
1: almost. Yep. All right. You want me to start the wrap up on this? Wrap this bitch up. All right. So even though I didn't um, realize that uh, the Dwayne had written, co-written was involved with whatever level 26, which I, I really enjoyed. I don't know how I never got back to the second one. I think because it wasn't available digitally might be i might have to read it in paper but um i was expecting kind of a, a crazy ass thrill ride because that's what i got in uh severance package which i read when it came out apparently 2010 according to amazon um and uh, instead what i got was a little less crazy a lot more um thought thoughtful i guess story um Still numerous aspects that all had to kind of line up perfectly, and, and I think he did that very well. He had a very engaging character in Sari, um, hard not to root for. I don't think at any point was I bored with her or or anything like that. I mean, she was she was just thoroughly engaging character. A whole cast of interesting characters. And one of the things we didn't talk about, I guess, was um, in a lot of the, the books we read, you know, the crime books and stuff. It's like the drug dealers are always like really young and, you know, but there's like older people in this book, like significantly older. I know Rob had mentioned the um the the sugar daddy to to Tamara to to Sari's friend. And you know, the guy's like in his sixties, you know, and that's not something we see a lot of um in, in a lot of the crime books we read. It's always, you know, guys in their twenties and thirties, or it's like the crazy hillbilly mama of the, you know, of the family that's that's the the older The older party that's involved. So um, you know, lots of good, deep understanding of of maybe what goes on in the drug world. I don't know. But like Rob talking about, you know, this guy buying drugs from the deep web and selling them, or how this whole thing, there's a there's one part where Wilde's explaining to to Sari exactly how the drug trade works, all you know, from the guys who produce it all the way down to like the street sellers, like what that hierarchy looks like. And there's a lot of good, interesting, uh Interesting structure to that business that that we're kind of shown in this book So, um, you know engaging characters the multiple points of view is interesting and and I would imagine um, Isn't very easy to pull off well um, But I think that he did it. I mean, I really like this book a lot. I'm gonna give it four and a half stars
0: Ooh, Four and a half stars. I don't know. Why I said that like it was scandalous <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I always like to have a reaction to your your stars
1: I've, um, I've noticed and they just get weirder and weirder because you continue to have to have reactions
0: so. <laughs> one time you're going to give something a rating i'm just gonna be like what the fuck okay. like just freaking out all right so i won't do that uh levy has had a bunch of great points about the book um i guess really my my overall thoughts on the book are uh It's just a really interesting story, and um, you don't really see a lot of things from the perspective of an informant, first of all, and second of all, especially not an informant who actually is very competent and and, um, pretty awesome. So, uh, at least I don't. You might. That might, might be all you read is books by you know, books referring to confidential informants, but not me. So this was um, an interesting perspective and a nice take, and uh, she's just smart, and she, she's easily likable because you see her uh, real struggles, but you see her overcoming them, which I thought was really cool. Um, the, the landscape of crime in the book is great, and in the afterword or The Back Matter, whatever you want to say. I didn't read the whole thing, but I know Swarzynski said that a lot of this was inspired by actual Philadelphia crime. So um, there is a, a level of reality to it, or maybe it's not in The Back Matter. It's somewhere.
1: It is in The Back Matter.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks for backing me up. I thought I was going crazy.
1: No, no, no problem, buddy. I got
0: gotcha. you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the landscape of crime is awesome, and and the idea we didn't really talk too much about this, but Wilde being this uh, kind of stubborn cop who is inspired by his um you know his heroic family line of, of cops, his grandfather was a cop in the early 1900s uh, in Philadelphia and made a huge difference, and he wanted to kind of be he used that that grandfather as a role model for for what he wanted to be, um and you know he's he's a really He's got large goals, which he accomplishes by being kind of harsh to uh, Sari and other people like her. So he, he his heart is in the right place, but he knows he's pushing people more than like he feels comfortable doing and stuff like that. So he's a really good character as well. And the twists and, and uh, stuff that we didn't talk about so as to not spoil the book are, are greatly executed as well. Really dig the Ringo character, even though he's one of the murderers. Um, he ends up being just a really cool character toward the end of the book. And overall, just a great story. I could very easily see it translating to a, a, I don't know about TV show, movie, miniseries, something like that. Because it's got a very cinematic feel to it. Overall, great story. I agree with Livius. It's four and a half stars.
1: I don't want to talk about the ending, but I really like the ending of this book.
0: So did the fire truck that's going past my apartment. That's
1: right. It's in Fuego, man. Um, yeah, no, it was... It was uh, the ending was really solid, too. The other thing I was thinking about when you were doing your wrap-up and talking about CIs and stuff is... Uh, one of the things that makes this interesting, and like you said, I haven't read a lot of books, you know, told from the standpoint of a CI. They come up in crime books, but... They've never, to me, been presented as someone that's likable. This is probably the first CI I've ever cheered for because usually they're kind of scumbags and they're they're really low level, you know, d- drug addicts or you know what I mean. It's it's you know they're borderline homeless. This is the first CI I've ever seen that actually had like a decent life going and was fairly intelligent and not you know actually a criminal. So I yep. think that helped a little bit with the the overall tone and feel of this story.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. Looking forward to more Swarzynski. We're going to, uh, yep. Yes, absolutely.
1: We uh, we should mention, and, and uh, I'm glad that Rob um, thought to make a note of this. So two episodes ago, we reviewed Less Than Hero by um, S.G. Brown, mm-hmm. which we both really liked, um, as it's easy to like S.G. Brown books. But now, the first two chapters apparently are available for you to read online for free. Free. Free $99. Yeah, uh,
0: he posted it up just yesterday, S.G. Brown, on, on Facebook, that um, on medium.com, and we will definitely have this linked in the um, show notes. The first two chapters are available to read for free, which is pretty awesome. If you heard our review and are on the fence, or you just want a little bit of free while you're waiting for the book to show up in the mail, or whatever it happens to be, yeah, check it out. It's the it's the good part where he's hanging out with uh, Randy, talking about, um, uh, like, the, you know, based on the symptoms, figuring out what the drug is, that kind of stuff. It's that part, which is really funny.
1: Yeah, I actually had one of my uh, one of my newer co-workers um, tell me, that, hey man, I bought that book. <laughs> I go, what are you talking about? He's like, that book, man, about the the, the guys with the prescription drugs, that Less Than Hero book. I listened to your podcast and uh, you guys liked it so much, I went ahead and bought it. It's, it's very cool.
0: So, um, I had a similar situation. A friend of mine, Ryan, uh, who works in the same company I do, uh, <laughs> when we announced that we were going to read that Heir uh, to the Jedi book, he decided he was going to read that. Uh, and I tried to get him not to. <laughs> because you had already said that it was pretty bad. Uh, he went ahead and did it anyway. And yeah. <laughs> apparently he didn't like it as well, but he sent me a voicemail. Uh, complaining about one particular part that we did talk about in the episode, so um, with your permission, Livius, I'd like to run it?
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: Alright, I'm going to play it for you really quick. Damn it! How
1: come in the Star Wars book, Luke is never sad about losing Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru? He thinks of the power
0: converters, but not the fucking people who raised him. Ugh!
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the kind of book it was, and I'm glad. I'm glad that, I, like you said, I'd rather people not take the time to read it, but I'm glad someone <laughs> else feels our pain. I guess is is what I'm trying to say. Like I feel validated that somebody else had the exact same reaction that. Ugh. So. Hey, the
0: funny, the funniest thing is that you're the one that I think highlighted the fact that him remembering the power converters was such a weird fucking moment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Ryan essentially took it to the next level where where he made us kind of, he put it in perspective where we realize, oh shit, he's more worried about this order of parts than he is about the people that got, like, savagely murdered in his family. The only (sighs) family, the only family that he has in existence died and he cares more about parts.
1: That book sucked. Can I tell you what's cool, though, about, about this whole thing? Not not about Star Wars, but, you know, that, that guy, he heard you were going to review it. He went and got it. This guy tells me he bought less than hero. Like, I know because we've had writers tell us that they've seen, you know, an uptick in in book sales after we, we review something in a in a positive way. We, mm-hmm. we very rarely hear from the people we review in a negative way or <laughs> <laughs> kind of that middle of the road way. But um, it was nice to have someone in in, like real life, someone, you know, you know what I mean? Not someone that, you know, shoots you a message on on Facebook or or sends you an email, but someone that you encounter every day that, you know, I took your advice or, or, you know, does something based on the fact that you, you know, that you do this. So you kind of, you know, have a good thumb on the pulse of finger on the pulse of because you're not supposed to use your thumb when you take someone's pulse because your thumb actually has a pulse and you can feel your own pulse. Do you know that? Thanks, Doctor Nedden. Yeah, I, no I, I was aware of that. <laughs> so, at any rate, finger on the pulse of, um, you know, of literature, I guess. So it's kind of cool to have that type of validation.
0: Yeah, I've had follow up questions like from people where they're just like, "Hey, I, rest, I listen to the podcast, and you know, I want to know more about da da da." So, yeah, it's interesting, and it's something you don't expect. But that's kind of one of the fun things about this uh, the podcast and and uh, the unintended cool. Side side effects of, of doing the podcast. It's been a fun time doing this podcast, Olivia.
1: And it's been a really long time doing this podcast now that you mentioned that.
0: You know, oh, how when you, get,
1: you know how when you get to that certain age and someone asks you how old you You might not know this yet. They ask you how old you are and you have to stop and think for a second because you don't know the answer right off the top of your head. Yeah. it's kind of how I feel this week.
0: Yeah, because uh, we're recording on the 30th of March. Mm-hmm. and um, it's my friend Liz's birthday today, by the way.
1: Oh, well, happy birthday.
0: Um, happy birthday, Liz. She may be listening. Um, okay.
1: Cool.
0: On the 1st of April, we will have been doing Booked for four years. We're finishing our fourth year, going into our fifth year in the podcast. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: almost. Now, I was just, before you say anything, right. I want you guys to know that... Because we didn't um, talk about doing an anniversary episode, Rob has very limited statistics, and I will let her re- so <laughs> consider yourself thankful. Rob is going to throw out some stats, but it's not going to be a lot of them.
0: <laughs> well, this is episode, what, 247? I believe so. So just under 250 episodes, 145 books we've reviewed in that time. 145 books, buddy.
1: That's, uh, that's a little crazy.
0: We've released one anthology uh been nominated for three awards one no been nominated for four awards and won
1: three and we're runner up for the th- the fourth one that's a lot yeah. of awards man It it is it is a lot of awards and i'm very thankful for those and those i have to thank the listeners um well just being here i have to thank the listeners directly anyway so thank you listeners for um allowing us to be award-winning and for continuing to tune in so that we have a reason to continue doing this so thank you so much to all of you yeah, thanks. It's been a wild ride.
0: Um, lots of fun up ahead. Um, I had an insane fucked up idea last night that I texted Livius about, and he didn't immediately say no.
1: I, I actually was going to ask you very vaguely, like, hey, are you serious about that? So, <laughs> little teaser, there might be something, uh, something that we, by we, I mean Rob, will probably be working on. So, um, that's pretty cool. Um, as we take it to the next uh, the next level, I guess, or try to take it to the next level here in our fifth year. That's right. And we have
0: resolutions, still, uh, still applicable resolutions, one we've pretty much broken already, uh, more or less, and another one that um, has yet to yield fruit, which is we're going to have, what, a top 20 New York Times bestseller on for an interview?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I think that in, in some ways, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the last episode or not, so I... I <laughs> Chuck Wendig is probably going to be a top twenty bestseller with a Star Wars book. We've had oh, them shit.
0: on. That's true. Oh, are you? Gonna, so we're going to retcon that?
1: No, no, maybe not. <laughs> no, we'll have to have them on again. Well, I mean, if you
0: think about it, though, like, if you look at the evolution of the people that we've involved in the podcast, like, we've had some not like back when they weren't. We had them on, but now big deals, you know. I was talking yeah. to someone the other day and like Fred Venturini, is is uh, you know he's growing very rapidly in the in the book world and he's he was in our book same thing with Paul Tremblay he's got he's got a new book coming out called Head Full of Ghosts he had a six figure deal with a major publisher and and stuff and he was in our book so it's kind of cool to see like our little community growing up and um and it's because we've we've invested our time over the last 4 years and and cared about these people a little bit or at least I'd-
1: had a conversation with a different co-worker um who had mentioned that that he really liked um chuck Polinick. and i was like yeah i go you know it's it's been a thought to try to get him on our podcast i go um you know because we we actually know people who have read with him at readings like you know and again these are people who may or may not have been doing that four years ago yeah so yeah. Uh, you know it's like uh, two degrees of uh of chuck Polinick um But yeah, it's really nice, and and, you know, I'm I'm very happy for all the success that people who have, uh, you know, considered giving us time on this podcast and and giving up valuable time that they have to to talk to us or to give us content for our book or even just to provide copies for us to read. Which is nice that we don't always have to buy books. So it's uh, yeah it's pretty cool so yeah i guess a big thank you and 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 rob most of all to you for uh, making this podcast um available to people because if not it'd be just me talking in a room about a book probably by myself
0: (laughs) so every other day of the week (laughs) uh thank you livius for being the one who finds good books and um is actually funny on the podcast
1: yeah 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 you're welcome no big deal no big (laughs) deal it's just it's just what i do Alright, so we got anything else to talk about? Do we know what's coming up next week? We have no idea, but it will be a review because the following week we will probably not have a book review. Hopefully we'll be able to bring you excellent content from AWP. The lovely tropical city of Minneapolis. Um,
0: There's a new service called Meerkat. Do you know about that? No. There's a new service called Meerkat. I don't know if it's just for the iOS devices. Um... But essentially, it's like uh, imagine Snapchat, but for live streaming video. Huh. Um, so you can watch it while it's happening, but then once it's done, you don't have access to it.
1: Oh, that is kind of
0: weird. Um. Anyway, I have downloaded this, and I'm thinking, depending on how much I remember, to I might Meerkat from. Oh, it's for Apple devices only. That's why. It, it, it made a big splash at South by Southwest, um, and now everybody wants to meerkat everything. I'm not really happy with the name of it, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to try and meerkat uh, from, from AWP, so I might hook it up with the booked uh, Twitter account. And then uh, essentially what happens is I start a live stream or I schedule a live stream. Um, so maybe like book readings and stuff. If we go to a reading, I'll schedule a stream. And then... Um, I will meerkat that shit. And all you have to do is, if you see it on Twitter, you click on the link and boom, you're there. You're right there with us.
1: So the only people that can access that, though, are, are on iDevices? Or is that just that the app to broadcast is an iDevice app?
0: The app to broadcast is... Ooh, that's a good question.
1: Oh, That is a good question. I don't know if there's a web interface. Um, I'm on their website, and um, it's it's not very clear. <laughs> <laughs> what happens, it's, it's a very minimalist website. There's a little picture of a meerkat at the top, like a little drawing. Oh, let's um, do
0: this. I'm going to, Olivia's, we're going to mm-hmm. do this live. You ready to do this? I am ready to do this. I am going to stream right now. I'm going to title it Livius. And I'm going to stream. I'm streaming my <laughs> my apartment. So if you go to Twitter, you should see uh a tweet with a meerkat link
1: all right i'm i'm there we refreshing my twi- i lie or i'm sorry live now meerkat.tv it looks like this goes to a website so let's see what happens of course i'm doing this from my mobile device i see To so watch please please log in it looks like i can because it uh. does go to a to a thing i have to log into twitter because I, I don't use the web interface at all
0: oh one now watching someone's watching
1: yeah that's me trying to log in i think
0: no i think it's someone else
1: who is that who's oh, watching that's just, it's, it's, they can't answer back
0: <laughs> <It's> just,
1: <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs>
0: well whoever you are you're looking at my
1: bookshelf I'm, I'm trying to get this to where i logged in but it kind of came up oh, here we go almost rub to what please log in two mm. now watching Dude, this thing is taking off like crazy. Fernando Barbella. Hey Fernando, what's going on, man? There's like chat options too, so Fernando's. Oh, either at this mine. doesn't work on mobile, because there's a link that says open an app. I don't know if this works through my through my phone or not. Nuts. All right, well. That was a failed. <laughs> Although we do know that people will just if you post a link, <laughs> <they're> just <gonna laughs> jump all over it.
0: Fernando little, is getting an excellent link. view of what's going on in my apartment. Well it was He's nice doing this boring meerkat thing ever i guess that means that just random people will pop up all right i'm gonna end this that's probably a good idea (laughs) who's the other person
1: hold on is it still up do you still have it up
0: yeah all right hold on because i'm trying to log in on the fernando's hearing half of this conversation so i might want to explain myself i am doing yeah go ahead talk to fernando for a little bit i'm doing a live stream on my podcast to experience meerkat and um so you're only hearing my part, not the co host part.
1: You should ask him if he's got a Skype account. <laughs> you can Skype <laughs> Just give in. Just a call in.
0: Skype in and uh, join us on the conversation. Are we done here?
1: I'm still trying to figure out if people will be able to watch this on the web. So give me a second. Uh, maybe I'll start another stream. Because now I'm signed in. Two now watching. God damn it, logging with Twitter. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. Pro-
0: this will be a promotion of our book. I'm just going to put a bunch of our book there.
1: Boom. There you go. Alright. All oh yeah. There I see the book. There you go. Move it around a little bit. I want to see how, uh, how streamy this is. Oh, there's Bird Box by Josh Mailerman. Yeah, I'm still seeing the book anthology really up close. Here's the blue microphone I'm using. Yeah, this doesn't appear to work very well over the web. Mm. Alright.
0: Now we know. All right, ending. I guess the other part of it is that you can save it and like you personally have it for later, Mm -hmm. Um, which which could uh, then lead to more content. Like I can live stream something and then like download it and cut it up and put specific parts of it up for general consumption. Nice.
1: Yeah, it looks like what I'm guessing. Even after you cut it off, it looks like if you're trying to do it from the web, it just gives you a screenshot of maybe whatever point you log in at because nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. It's still a ridiculous close-up of the Booked anthology.
0: <laughs> All right, there we go. We just learned something. Yep. That was That's what... <laughs> so thinking about what we just put the uh, the listeners through. They they heard us talking about an app that they couldn't see, mm-hmm. and then they heard us using an app that they couldn't see, uh, and we'll never see. <laughs> this is great podcasting happy fourth anniversary
1: yeah this is what we do so (laughs) awp yep awp so we'll have some video stuff maybe we'll make that video available through youtube instead (laughs) i don't know we'll try to figure something out for so if you if you have an apple device i think
0: you're in luck with uh because you'll be able to view it definitely from the app i know that you can watch it live fernando did
1: and uh, I do believe we are going to go see um, David James Keaton uh, and uh, Neil Smith read, right? Yep. Yeah, there's there's a few readings that
0: um, I'm going to have to comb through the updated AWP event list, the mm-hmm. offsite, of, off-site events, to see if anything... Because really, right now, we have the David James Keaton, um, uh, Neil Smith one. There's, like, is the Broken River one different, or is that the same?
1: No, that's the same one.
0: And then there's uh, Menacing Hedge has an event, and there's a couple other like, you know, people we're close to that, you know, are doing things that, you know, I'm on a fence about, but I want to see if there's people that we don't typically have access to that maybe there's a cool event going on.
1: So wait a minute, you said menacing hedge, is, is Craig Walwork going to be flown in for this event?
0: <sighs> no. 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 He got my hopes up and then he
1: dashed the shit out of them. Alright. Because I got really excited too. Now I'm a little less excited. No yeah. offense, to menacing yeah. hedge, but
0: the menacing hedge without Craig Wallwork is just a bush.
1: It's just slightly intimidating bush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's All just right. an
0: unruly bush. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so we'll we'll have a book next week. We're probably going to spend the next uh, half hour trying to figure out what that is. Yep. And uh, uh, until then, I'm Libby Snedden.
0: And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.